Welcome to Bleached, the podcast for real ass topics with real ass hairdressers. Hey, hair babies, it's Kayla Bosher. Hi, it's Sid Charisse. And we are just waking up to yeah. record our first podcast. It is morning for you. in Brooklyn. Morning yeah. in Brooklyn. Our, my alarm system outside of my window is uh, consistent construction. Every day mm-hmm. at least eight thirty a.m., which I'm pretty sure isn't illegal in New York. I think it's supposed to be. I think nine. I think that's everybody in New York's uh, alarm system. Your alarm system used to be me, um, <laughs> but once pillows started getting thrown at my face, I decided, you know, he's grown. So yes, I'm a grown ass man. I should probably <laughs> be waking myself up, but I rely on the city to do that. So I'm going to start by introducing Sid Charisse. Um, a lot of you listening to the podcast already know us, so it's not going to go into much detail, but um, those that are listening for the first time should probably know what we do. Um, so Sid is uh, an editorial hairdresser. She works uh, in a salon in Brooklyn a couple of days a week. If you ever want to go see her at Hair & Co., which is a little shout out to Hair & Co. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, have worked with her for over five years. Like seven, since yeah, I don't even know. Oh. We've worked together for at least over five years, and um, we've done Fashion Week together. We've worked on celebrities together. We've done most of our stuff together. Most so of our career milestones have been together. Yeah, but we do a lot of stuff separately. Um, but yeah, so I think we've done everything in the industry. We've managed. We've taught at Aveda. That's mm-hmm. actually how we met. We were both educators at the Aveda Institute in uh, Florida, in Tampa Bay. So shout out to them as well. Um, and now we're doing our own thing. We're yeah. mainly freelance and, and, you know, doing code business coaching and career coaching for hairdressers. When Caleb and I first started working together, we were educators and, you know, freelance artists. And then I watched him become the celebrity stylist, which was so great. And, you know, he started the journey to New York. Um, I still had some ties to tie up in Florida and, you know, I've watched him just grow as an artist and a stylist and, you know, watched us grow together and build our business. And it's actually been such an incredible journey. I think that, um, I think that the journey that we've taken has been so many like different routes. And so there's people had a lot of drama. We had a lot of chaos. We had a lot of cool stuff, but I think, um, I would love to, I'd love to have people bypass some of the stuff that we had. And so we've actually made a list, like so yeah. came up with a list like of ways to, Take control of your week, your week and your schedule. We have five tips that we live by. Like this is our, our sole organizational mission. Yeah. It's changed our lives. Pretty much. And so we, we've shared it with our um, current uh, destroy the hairdresser students. Um, So some of you that are listening may already know these, but I think we'll go into a little more depth with them. And if you've never heard of them, write them down and start Mm -hmm. living by them immediately. And I think you'll, you'll I mean, you could use this for anything. It doesn't have to be for hairstylists. You could use this for your daily life as a mom or, you know, as a writer or anything, you know, I think it's just, it's just gaining control of your week. And it all stems to, you know, going back into planning. Um, The first thing that we do, and I know this sounds crazy. Step one. (laughs) Step one one is to utilize your downtime. So what I mean by that is like utilize your day off before your week starts. So take that moment to kind of 
just look at your week. How's it looking? What spaces do you have? Is everything kind of planned and organized for you? Um, I think dedicating a day to, like, I think downtown can happen during a day, but when you have that downtime to, like, look at your schedule and reorganize things and make things better. Usually when I have downtime, I just go on Twitter. <laughs> Facebook or post on Instagram. We have a lot of social media that we need to do. But, you know, again, and we'll get to that, there's time There's time for that. But utilizing your downtime, like, like making sure everything's just ready to go. Um, I don't want to have any surprises in our upcoming week, especially because Caleb and I have a lot of, you know, calls that we're doing with our students. We have blogs that we're writing. We have our social media, our podcasts, you know, and then um, our own things that we're doing. So just to kind of look at the week and be like, okay, there's – there's this happening this day. We need to reschedule this for that, you know, just being prepared pretty much. Yeah. Um, and our step two, which is kind of my favorite, is when you make your to-do list, we all have a to-do list that we've kind of let get out of control. Yeah. I know that mine just keeps like every day. Just, it's never ending. We've started prioritizing the list. So at the top of the list, we have the most important things that we need to do during the day um, are first on the list. And it kind of works its way down to the least important things. Um, and we do this daily. So we have like our three most important things that we need to get done daily, but we also have, we prioritize our week as well. So in, in those days, what do we need to get done in the beginning of the week versus the end of the week? Yeah, exactly. And when you're, I think when you're working behind the chair or you're, especially if you're working behind the chair, not prioritizing your time, like your downtime and not prioritizing your list, you don't, you get lost in the cycle of doing hair, doing hair, doing hair, doing hair, and like nothing gets done on the list. And next thing you know, you have no time to do anything. Yeah. And at the end of the day, you're going home to your kids or you're, you're going home to your family or you're going home to watch Westworld. I don't know. You're going home <laughs> and you don't have time to do anything because it's nighttime and you were busy all day. And if you're a salon owner, it's even harder. If you're a salon owner working behind the chair, it, your day is just, it's fucked. Like yeah. you have no you're room. Um, so if you're a salon owner, even if you're not behind the chair, prioritizing this list is really important and Remember that the lists are unique to everyone, I think. Mm -hmm. um, what's important to you isn't important to me. And don't, don't like, think too hard on this. The whole point of this is to, like, not cause stress and, like, or to eliminate stress and, and those feelings of being overwhelmed. And anything can be on your list. If you want to work out, put it on your list. If you want to drink a cup of coffee, put it on your list. Like, and where it prioritizes is up to you. Exactly. If it's the most important to go work out, then it needs to be on the top of the list. It needs to be the first thing that you get done. It could be, like... 20 seconds that you just want to sit, you know, or like 20 minutes that you just want to sit, it, add it to your list, you know, don't, don't think too businessy. Um, a huge thing for me, and I know this helps. Step three. I know, step three. <laughs> this is huge for me and it, it helps, it helps us both, um, is uniting your tasks. So one thing that we were finding that we were spending so much time, like especially social media is a huge part of business and marketing and things like that. So like 90% of my time oh my is social God. media. And so I'm looking and I'm seeing that we have on our, our list every day is posts. We have to post something. And so I was like, we're spending so much time on a daily basis. You know, it, I know this sounds crazy, but social media sometimes takes like to write everything out and hashtag and tag and give credit where credit's due. It takes so much time. And so I started utilizing really cool um, sites and apps like Crowdfire or Hootsuite. And it has changed my life. So I plan, again, going back to the beginning of the week and planning your week, I plan my whole social media posts for the week. And so um, everything's kind of done for us and we don't have to worry about it. And it's 
stress-free and it's kind of taken off, you know, it's yeah. taken off. Especially if like, if one of your tasks for the week is every day you have to make these phone calls or every day you need to write something or every day you need to do scheduling, lump it all together for one day a week and spend time doing it. That way you're not wasting days doing it because then everything gets out of control. Except four that we've come up with that we use, uh, plan every single detail. I don't know if you know this, but Bill Gates actually uses this method that he doesn't have, everything is planned down to the minute in his day. Now, I don't know if, you know, if we're that crazy about it, but <laughs> he like, everything is planned. Like the, from the minute he wakes up to how, how long it takes for him to brush his teeth, for how long his rock drives are going to be from meeting to meeting. But um, I find it fascinating that, you know, really successful people do this. They plan their day uh, down to the detail. And I think when you're in, when you're doing hair and you're working behind the chair, this would be, this is super helpful. I mean, your day is already planned out to the detail. Exactly. So, so what are you doing during those downtime moments when it, you don't have a client? How exactly. are you utilizing those times? So. so I think it's really, it's really fascinating. And fun fact, Bill Gates actually, whenever he is busy and away from his wife, We'll always order a Big Mac from McDonald's. <laughs> I mean, that sounds delicious. I couldn't uh, tell you the last time. And he drinks Diet Coke. But <laughs> only when he's not around his wife. I think it's really interesting. Really, really incredible people that get things done use this um, planning method. And you can get his OCD with it. Sid mm -hmm. has OCD, so yeah. she's our planner. I get cray. Um, so she has our days usually planned out perfectly. And I'm usually the one that's like floating through the day aimlessly. But uh, yeah, prioritizing your day. Uh, using those that, that downtime, but also da uh, playing down to the details is extremely important. And the last, the last thing that we do um, is huge. So we make the, make time for yourself. Make time for yourself. I cannot stress that enough. Biggest, 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 most important thing that you could do is focus on. And I would like time to just point out that making time for yourself does not mean a smoke break. Making no. time for yourself <laughs> is like doing yoga when you when you need to yeah or reading a book or yeah, like just positive things that you can incorporate in your life that's for you that you want to do I hear you know we have a lot of students and the one thing that I hear all the I think time, we should change it to make healthy time for yourself yeah I think that's a little more about what it is because okay. I feel like a lot of people go I do make time I go to the bar after work yeah. for three hours I mean so do we but that's not healthy like it's it's the point like that's one of those things that it's just it's not planned in their day it's like you know what I'm gonna have a glass of wine with dinner but I think you know just making that time and so Caleb and myself started doing that so you know we do this thing where we because we're so focused on our laptops that it's like uh, we were finding ourselves look like little like hunchback you know <laughs> not cute like I look over at him and he's like hello like a gremlin you know looking across the me I'm like no more we're not doing this anymore and so we do 90 minute breaks or 90 minute work um sessions so you know we start our morning for example hardcore we spend an hour no computers no anything kind of disconnected the the hour in the morning is kind of unfocused like it's just Kind of getting out all the junk, like yeah. Most we talk of the time about we talk about we, our dreams or like what I want to cook for lunch. You know, yeah. What I mean? like, like we're just talking to get all of that. Half junk the time out. it has nothing to do with business, and that's the beauty of that hour is that you're you're getting all. Of, if anyone's ever done the artist's way, when you wake up in the morning and you write your pages to get like that stream of consciousness just out of you, so you can be focused for the rest of your day. That's kind of what we're doing. But this is with two people or three people or whoever you work with, just to get all of that energy out and to talk about whatever, and then. And then we take a break and we jump right into focusing on work. Mm -hmm. And then so we work for 90 minutes and then 
literally have a clock that counts the 90 minutes. And after yeah. the 90 minutes, we just kind of get up and like, sometimes we'll leave and go to a coffee shop and, you know, take a walk outside or like, we'll do yoga or we'll eat lunch or we just kind of stop for a second, you know, like because if you don't, a brain break. And if you don't, then, you know, it's, you, it's going to eat you alive. You're going to get burnt out. And it took a lot. Let me tell you something like for two workaholics, it took everything to stop working. I've even scheduled like with my clients, like doing hair, like I've scheduled 90 minute increments and I'm like, I'm not, you know, I'm taking 30 minute breaks. So I don't believe I'm, if, if anyone knows me, I'm not, I'm not a devil booking kind of person. I think it's dangerous to your health and not that <laughs> great in the long run so i think working 90 minutes taking a break working 90 minutes taking a break or even if you work an hour and take a break you just if you don't give yourself that you're this is why hairdressers i feel like we get sick more often our bodies start to shut down when we're young we can do this but um not yeah. thinking ahead to what your body your future do it's is, like how long can you do this to yourself right that's the biggest issue so you know we found that using these five tips was extremely helpful. I actually wrote a blog post about it. So if you want more information on it, you can go to destroythehairdresser.com, check out our blog. And um, it is five tips to having a killer organized week. So, you know, I really want to I give us a shout out. Like I did a hashtag on there and it was um, hashtag my killer week. So yeah, if you're you know, posting stuff or tweeting stuff. Yeah. Like hashtag my killer week. I just got Caleb on Twitter because I love it. But, I'm really bad at <laughs> um, I would love to see, you know, anything on Instagram or Facebook or even if you want to post something, like, show us what you're doing. Show us how you're you're giving yourself a killer week and how you're just taking that time for yourself, you know? I think living in New York or New York City or any big city for that matter, like, taking time for yourself is really hard to do. I know it is here in Brooklyn. New York is really hard. New York is really hard. I said that very whiny, but it's... If anyone lives here, they're listening. I grew Either up, they're relating or they're like, this was lazy ass. I know. I grew up in the South where, like, everything was just... It was a simpler town. I grew up in the North, like, in the Minnesota... Or, I'm in sorry, the in the Midwest, not Minnesota. I'm from Michigan. So I have that, you know, Midwest nice thing going on that I... That, that's that's died, Like going to I know. Going to the store is just... You know, when I first moved here, I was just like, I'm going to walk to the grocery store and I'm going to... I had lived here a year before Sid did. And so when she moved in, because... I was very Sid moved in because we're like, we should live and work together. And it's worked out great. But, yeah. Um, we, we were like, we need to live and work in the same space so that we're always focusing on our... And the universe gave company. us this giant... Apartment. Apartment yeah. to, to do so. So um, great. But the funny thing is, like that Sid, when she first moved here, was always telling me that she was going to go to the grocery store. She she loved it. She loved walking down the street and seeing all the New york people. I was straight up Kimmy Schmidt, if anybody's seen that. Yes, like, literally, yes. like, little and I was kid like, in a big city. I finally told her, Sid, this is going to get old very fast. And I was, Order I your groceries like a normal person. Because <laughs> I order my groceries in. Um, and Sid, it only took you about two trips to the grocery store. <laughs> So she was like, do you have, what's your login code for the grocery store? <laughs> I'm like, give me that now. So it's funny because I now do grocery orders for, every, for, for the whole every, team. For the whole team. And so like I make everybody give me my list or their list and I do grocery orders for the whole team because we also have our producer that lives here and then we have a bedroom that we, you know, rent out for other artists that come stay with us or, you know, anybody that kind of. Any of them that wants to like yeah. hang out and to destroy the hairdresser house. 
<laughs> we have space. We have space. Or like and students that come visit or, you know, things like that. So we actually, um, it's been a really... It's been a really yeah, fun... Yeah, so I'm always doing the grocery orders, which I love. They're actually coming today and I but, can't wait because <laughs> I want my zucchini. But the other thing is like I always had fear like going to the grocery store at night. Like I'm, I think Bushwick's safe, but like I have fear of... I have a fear of Brooklyn in general, um, but I have a fear of outside. Yeah, <laughs> like it's not that. Scary. No, it's like not I, that I, bad. I hate telling people that it's scary because I don't want them to think that we like live in a scary neighborhood. But there is a fear. I mean, we're in a city. And and technically, it's like what East Williamsburg. If we want to get technical, yeah, like. I don't even know what it is anymore. <laughs> the the lines are blurring. But um, but uh, our one of our bloggers, Kate Wright, uh, she uh, wrote a blog about fear and whether it's good or bad for it you. And I was home. Yeah, it touched home when I was, like, walking down the street at, like, midnight with the lights out. <laughs> and I'm, like, sitting there, and I'm, like, is Kate's article correct because fear is good or bad? <laughs> and I'm, like, fear is, you know, and I noticed, like, in her article, she's, like, you know, fear is what protects us from danger. And I'm, like, it sure fucking does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I walked faster. I was aware of my surroundings. But the article is really really cool you should check it out on destroythehairdresser.com it's called um is is fear your friend or your foe mm-hmm. i think that's the the name of it um fear can be so good i we stress to our students constantly on how like the minute they say they're scared of something it, it that's when you know that it's real and that's when you know you want to attack it and grab onto it and just face it head on and i know again that sounds terrifying but that could be the your make or break in your career. And anyone who knows us as coaches, if you tell us something scares you, then we're probably going to make you mm-hmm. do so don't it. say that. But <laughs> we are definitely uh, risk takers. Yeah. It is huge. We've taken – I mean, how else do you learn? That's how you grow. I mean, it's yeah, how it's we've how grown. Grow. That's how you grow in general. Like so. every time I feel like I'm not growing enough as an individual, I – kind of just open my eyes to like what I'm scared of and what's stopping me and it's most of the time myself. But there's definitely a fear there. Yeah, oh for sure. You know, I think and so but we've trained ourselves to like kind of look for that and find that and and see that and mm. kind of tack it tackle it on head on. And you know, so when our students say like I'm You know, we have we we have coaches and our coaches are the kind of people that are like, okay, what's the fear in this? And then we tell, you know, I know that my coach, I don't know about yours, my coach. Oh, all the time. Like, always, I don't even want to say it. I want to sugarcoat my fear. She's like, that's, she's like, pushes me right into it. She's like, mm-hmm. run after that. Because that's where, that's where like, that's where the miracles are. That's where like, that's where the magic happens is in the fear. So if you have fear in any area of your life, if you have fear about talking to people, if you have fear of building your business, if you have fear of opening your own business, if you have fear of becoming a celebrity hairdresser, Whatever, wherever that fear lives. That's that what is, you're supposed to do. Yeah, that is a sure sign that that is what you were supposed to do with your life and your career. So I'd love to hear what people's fears are. Yeah. <laughs> like you can DM us at Destroy the Hairdresser on Instagram. You can leave it on our page, Destroy the Hairdresser on Facebook. But like we want to hear what your fears are. And we'll, you know, we, we want to help people get there. We want to help people push through that because usually – once people push that fear, they realize, oh, that wasn't a mountain. It was definitely a molehill. So, yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of our curriculum, too. We start off our students with mental coaching at yeah. first because if, if it's you about want three to, months of that. If you want to grow, how can you grow and be a new person and you see this new person in the future, but if you're not willing to change your lifestyle now, then you're never going to get there. And so that's a, that's a huge thing. And, you know, Caleb and I do this for ourselves. Um, every couple of months, we kind of like, 
you know, sit down and be like, okay, what do we want to do? Because we're so creative that we always have these ideas and some of them are nonsense. We have and, too many ideas. Yeah, some of them are nonsense and then some of them we're kind of like, oh my gosh, this is brilliant. Like, why aren't we doing this, you know? I'm so thankful that I've learned about fear in this way because mm-hmm. as a creative person, fear it really holds you back from moving forward in certain directions. And I finally have, I've gotten so addicted to running at fear and pushing through it. It makes people yeah, around you uncomfortable. Yeah, that's a great, like, addicted. Like, I'm, like, people think, People think I'm crazy sometimes, yeah. and I'm just like, I'll Things show like, you. Oh my god, I can't believe you're moving to New York. I can't believe you started business. Did you just business. quit your job? Did you just like, quit your job? What are you doing? Like, it's so amazing how like everyone around you is so driven by fear, and I just when, when you break, it. but when you break through it, it's like you're the crazy one. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not going to move. You're going to stay in the same place that you've lived your whole life. Like, no, get out. Like, yes. there's more to see. There's more That's to do. That's huge. You know, like I watch you know, people complain constantly about their lives and not do anything about it. And it just breaks my heart because I'm just like watching the misery, but they're not willing Especially to do anything. With, like hairdressers that like get caught up with, oh, I want to, I really want to go off and do my own thing. But, you know, I just, I'm too busy or I, I have too much loyalty in my salon. Loyalty is great, but I think hairdressers get stuck. I think salon owners get stuck. I think creative people get stuck. I'm I'm a freelance person. I get stuck, mm-hmm. you know, and it things. happens to everybody. It happens to us. We get stuck, but you have to tackle it and, you know, identify why you're stuck and how to and have someone, out of it. have a coach push you, Yeah, you know, have someone push you. And I, I know like Caleb and I have had mentors and coaches for, I've had them since yeah, I was 15 years old. Forever. And uh, I mean, my biggest jumps in life was accredited to that. To All them. of them. Yeah. So you know? My push to New York was insane from my from my men, my teacher, my uh, coach. Uh, it was just, you know, it was one of the. It was such a last minute, quick decision, and my my coach spent so much time, like not allowing me to have that chatter and that fear, that conversation that was going to hold me back. It was like, okay, what's the plan? What are you doing? How are we getting there? What's what what's your flight number? It was so quick. Have you booked your flight? Have you? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I remember like I blinked and I was like in New York with a box in the winter. <laughs> Just standing on the side of the street. And you have that moment. Don't get me wrong. You will have those moments where you you jump, and you, when you land, you're like, what the well, fuck Well, let me tell you the first thing I that happens do. when you land. <laughs> when you land after a jump from fear, you look around you at who you can blame. Yeah. You, like the first part. <laughs> the first fault is this? Because it's not mine. Exactly. <laughs> the first part of what you do is you look for someone to blame because you're pissed that you made this decision. And then after you realize... That no one gives a shit that you made this leap and it's really just your life. There's some power in that. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying don't look for support, but also some people, sometimes we look for support. I wouldn't suggest doing it without support, but doing it with support, not the blame game. Yeah. It's different, you know? But I've never jumped and sat and regretted it. I've never jumped. Ever. I've never, I've never. Even in the scariest moments where you're just like, literally like, how is this possible? Yeah. (laughs) You, you know, you definitely... It's, it always, if you have the drive and the passion and the dedication to make it work, it will work. And, I know and it's of, having certainty in that. But right? I know a lot of people out there that are listening, you know, they don't have coaches. They don't have people to help them clarify all these things. And I, that's why we created Destroy the Hairdresser. We were like, we have experienced so much in this industry, over 10 years of experience. I, I don't want to get sales pitchy, yeah. but like we mm-hmm. offer it. Like we, we're here for you guys. Like a lot of the business coaching nowadays comes from product lines. Ugh. It's and too much. their business coaching is only to get you to sell their product. That's not real business coaching. There's no real tools. It's just they're, they're not caring you about pitch. you as the artist. Yeah, they're just giving you sales pitches. Which any product line person, anyone listening to this that might be working for a product line, it's not that we're against them. It's just that 
the coaching mentality behind that is to sell products. And that's not real coaching. That's sales. You're learning how to sell. You're a salesperson. And I know, I don't know any hairdresser that loves that. Mm-hmm. Every hairdresser I know, I don't want to be a salesperson. It, I it, don't like the sales pitch. I don't hard. know how to sell product. Sometimes it's not about the product. And this has nothing to do with product sales as a stylist, FYI, you know, that's like a whole nother podcast because that is a huge part of your, uh, educating your stylist is, is huge. So we're not going against that. We're, we're just saying that like, but it doesn't matter how much you, you teach your staff. It doesn't matter how much you teach yourself, how important it is to build your business, sell product and build revenue in your business. All that mat the first thing that matters is that you discover what your fears are and you overcome them. If you can't do that, mm-hmm. then there is no point in learning. I would say the biggest fear anything else that I hear from people constantly in salons. Uh, we've worked in a lot of salons. We've gone to teach in a lot of salons, and the one thing that I hear constantly is they're afraid to raise their prices. They build a safety net, and they're like, "This is the limit," and that's the fear. The they're fear is like yourself. now this limit, this limit is going to run out. Mm-hmm. And to quote Mean Girls, the limit does not exist. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that was a good, good segue into that joke. That was so good. <laughs> no, but uh, it really doesn't. It doesn't exist because there are always people that will pay you higher prices. And yes, you're going to have fallout, but you need fallout in your books. It's like the leaky bucket syndrome. The more water you're adding in, yes, you're going to lose people, but you're still adding more water in. Like, it all comes back to you are an artist. This is a craft. This is a special talent. You know, and I think and I we forget that because we're so. There are some people that I'm like, I want them to go. Yeah. I have clients, not so much now because I've gotten to a place in my career where I feel like I, I fire clients. Like, you know what? We're not a fit. There are some people where I'm like, please, God, don't. I don't want this person. No amount of money is worth that. No, it's not. Not when I had one client. Uh, this was a couple of years ago when I worked in Florida. Uh, I had one client. She looked at me and she goes, it was during the um, election, which is ironically today, but um, <laughs> the election at that time was going on. And Obama was running for president, and she looked at me and she goes, "Who are so? Who are you voting for?" And then she, I I went to like tell her because I I don't know if you've read my blog, but I have a blog called Permission to Speak, and it's about I think that it's totally fine to talk about politics and religion and all these things in salons. We'll we'll talk about that another time. But I was about to give her my answer, and she interrupts and she goes, "You know what?" I already know. You're going to vote for Obama. I can just tell because you're young, you're gay, so you're probably, you're only going to vote for Obama. <laughs> and I'm definitely offended. And um, I won't say her name. I, I told her, I was like, you know, I don't think that we, we can work together. I, I feel, you know, insulted by that last comment. And, and I respect myself enough. And my heart was racing when I was saying this, of course. Ironically, she came back with gifts. I took the gifts and the apologies, but I did not take her back as a client. <laughs> I mean, as a a human being, you shouldn't take that kind of abuse. No, there's not, there's no, there was not enough money worth what that insult meant to me. And also I think it did her a service, like Mm -hmm. teaching someone to watch what they say. And it's not that I didn't want to talk politics. It was the fact that there was an assumption made about my politics based on who she thinks that I am. So it was very offensive. I had a client once back in the day, I say that like so casually, but, um, she hated me. <laughs> I, and I don't know why. Which if anyone knows Sid, I don't know like, how you would hate Sid. <laughs> like, I can tell if someone hates me because my personality is really strong, but Sid is so caring and sweet. I have that, that I, southern charm. Yeah. But I, I, she hated There was nothing I could do. And I found myself changing, you know, and I do have tattoos. At the time, I had really short, kind of funky hair, like most 21 year old hairstylists do at that time. 
And, you know, it was back in 2009 when the mullets were cool. So mm-hmm. I definitely had that I awesome. I love a good mullet. Well, maybe we should post a throwback. No, let's not. <laughs> so, um, and, you know, I'll but, like, uh, I would definitely get a lot of judgment based on my appearance versus, but once someone got to know me, they, you know, fell in love with me. And, I mean, she just hated me. And I found myself changing who I was to accommodate mm-hmm. her being comfortable. And, you know, as I think about this now that I'm older, like, oh, how horrible, you know, like I would change the way I talk and the way I acted and I held myself to a whole different I was demeanor, ha- Listen, you know? I used to do the same thing in the sense where I would like, people would give me their opinions on things and I would agree with them. Yeah. Like it's the chameleon. The chameleon you, effect. You would just, as stylists behind the chair, we morph into what they are or we talk differently or we do it instead of holding our ground and being true to ourselves. And, um, we give you permission to not do that. Yes. You don't have to change yourself. Please don't change yourself. It's not beneficial to people. At all. You know, I think that, I think that, I, I would love to talk more about this because I do think salons are incubators for really creative conversations, progressive conversations. I think they're areas that make, that could make a lot of change. And I think this politically correct uh, situation where we don't talk about politics, religion, or sex, um, I understand why we don't. I totally understand why we don't. There are some people that have no right talking about this because they don't know or they're not educated or they don't have strong opinions. So I understand that though that it's not for everyone. Mm-hmm. But I think that there are people that are educated in politics. There are people that are educated in religion or, or are open to having those conversations. I think those conversations can be safe and I think it should be okay. We're not saying just sit down with a client and just start talking about your religion. But if some if your client brings it up and that's something that they want to talk about and you are comfortable talking about it, like go for it. Yeah. Like have and, those conversations. You, have to, you might learn something. And you have to be good at listening. Mm-hmm. This is like if you're gonna have these com- these really intense conversations that are very they have there's a lot of sensitivity around them. Yeah. You have to know how to speak to people properly. You have to not try to convince people about your opinions. This is an opportunity to battle. And if it's something you're not comfortable with it, you 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 know how to divert the conversation. Yeah, and you also have a right to say, I'm really not comfortable speaking about it. Completely. It is all up to you. And I think I think that's a power that's taken away from us because yeah. we're always like, the customer's always right. And to an extent, that is true. It's sad because I found myself not talking about something when a client wanted to talk about it and it was something that I was really interested in and wanted to know more about or I wanted to learn about or I was open-minded enough to kind of listen. And I found myself shutting it off because of the political norms in a salon environment. And yeah. You know, I think if it's not hurting someone and it's... I'm just sick of talking about the Kardashians or talking about, like, Uh, pop culture. I I just think it's... We need to use our salons and our spaces. And if we're freelance, we need to use our chairs and whatever space we're using for that. We need to be able to have these conversations. Like, I I have a client in particular that I go to his home and I do his hair and stuff there for press junkets and events. And... We sit and, I mean, this was during the RNC and the DNC, uh, the conventions, and we would sit and watch them and talk and, you know, have small debates and, you know, I would learn new things and he would learn new things and it was so cool. I loved having that relationship and it actually brought us Because if you together. think about it, it's just a conversation. It's just a conversation. That's and it. And it's just, it's just getting to know people and what they think and it's not about changing and if people's you can, minds. And if you can be open-minded enough to like take that in and kind of view that as that and not take it as... Uh, not get defensive or think that someone's trying to attack you or that their opinion's wrong or your opinion's right or vice versa. It's, yeah. and I think if you, you can have, have clients, a very, very cool experience. Well, I think if you have clients that don't, that you, where you're like, I can't have these conversations, maybe reevaluate who, what kind of clients you're taking in. Yeah. You know, like I am the kind of person that I want I, clients that like I can grow from and learn from because I'm, I'm totally like, 
that's my mentality. Like I love listening to people's stories. Like anybody that knows me, I will sit and talk to you for as long as you'll let me just to know about your life, you know? It's true. And but there's I a mean, lot to be learned. Exactly. And I, and I think that this is a gift that we have. We have people sitting with us for over an hour to talk about crap just seems so mundane. Like talk about new things. Talk about, talk about sciences. Talk about in things that are coming up in the news. Talk about the election. Talk about people's opinions. Talk about, you know, solutions, mm -hmm. you know, and be creative in that environment. And if you're afraid to do that, if you have fear about doing that, then reevaluate who your clients are because you only have a hundred years on the planet. What kind of client do you want in your chair every day? Because this is what you do every day. Mm -hmm. So get rid of your bad clients. Completely. It's a whole other conversation. But so we, Sid and I, when we worked together at, um, at the Aveda Institute, we had this one client, speaking of bad clients, we had this one client that uh, she, she had jet black hair, like level one jet black hair. And then her uh, regrowth was always like white, white, white. 100%. 100% gray. And she would come in and every four weeks she would argue with us that the black color fell out <laughs> and that is why there was gray hair again. And we kept trying to educate her softly and gently and no, you know what, four weeks, you know, your hair is so black compared to the, the amount of gray. It's so <laughs> white. And even if it wasn't a full half inch, it was enough that she wanted to gross. blame us for it. But it was hilarious. And we spent, how, I don't know, at least... I mean, at least four or five visits. Four or five visits, like, trying to please her. And then finally realized that she's just insane. Yeah. So we had to we had to let her go. She we was had not to... someone we could... We didn't enjoy her. And we didn't enjoy her in the salon. And, you know, we gently told her... You... And the poor students. Because the first, like, two times, we just gave her what she wanted. And that didn't do service to the school, to the student, to us, anything. And she got you this know free that, service. So everyone listening to this has done this. Yes. They've given this person the free service because they didn't want to have that conversation and stand up for what was right. But after the third time, it's just like, no, ma'am, no way. You cannot get away with this anymore. This is not fair. And so, you know, we put our foot down and we had to involve leadership and had to have that conversation of, you will not get a free service anymore, you know? And please stop giving away services for free in uh, general. You're creating these clients for yourself that it's just, you are an artist and you paid so much money to go to school and to create this talent for yourself and you have this knowledge and this education stop giving it away for free yeah we allow we allow this type of behavior it's kind of like you teach people how you want to be treated and how they should treat you it's the same it's exactly the same with when it comes to pricing i without the raising pricing is always a fishy thing with uh with our students or with anyone in the industry they don't want to raise their prices or the, i have client or i have students that they have prices and they don't even, they will never charge them. Mm -hmm. They discount every single service all the time. And the reality is that if you do that, they feel bad. They, but if you do that, your, your clients start to not really appreciate or respect your work. They're just coming to you for a deal. And if that's the clientele you want, the deal, you know, the, the money, the penny pinching client, then that's what, that's what you get when you do that. So stop giving so many fucking discounts. I'm so sick of that. The reality of it is that, you know, we as stylists, there's the issue is that we lose our confidence. And so we don't feel like we're worth what we're charging sometimes. And it's not that you're not, it's just the fact that you've lost it somewhere, you know? And one thing, one of my mentors in the industry told me, get out of your client's pockets, get out of their pockets. And that is huge. That was like a, a game changer for me. 
because I would have the client that sit down and do the woe is me, I have no money, I have no this, I have no that. I'm going to give you an example. I had this client that would complain about her finances and I felt so bad with for her that I would discount her service. And then, um, meanwhile, let me remind you that she was driving a Benz. And so... <laughs> I would discount her service because I felt so bad that she had no money and I would, you know, give her all of this extra stuff like highlights on top and just charge her for a retouch just to make her feel good. And then she would buy product and then tell me that she was going to go out to lunch and go shopping because she felt so good. And I just remember feeling disheartened like every time because I was just like, I just gave you everything for nothing. And so so there's people that lie, which mm -hmm. she sounds like she just lying. And they don't know they're doing it sometimes. People live this their whole life. This victim mentality. But beyond that, it's also insulting to assume that someone can't afford your services. And people, when you assume that people don't want to pay you, but they can't afford it, two things again. You're insulting them because you're saying, I think you don't have enough money to do what you want to do without even knowing. And B, you're saying, I'm not worth the money that I'm asking Mm -hmm. you to pay. It's it's a double-edged sword. And we are, you're absolutely right. Like, we're the ones training everyone that this is how we do things. Yeah. So stop doing that. We have to stop doing it. We have to make a commitment today that we no longer discount. It's such a big deal. And uh, I have a lot of people that ask, okay, well then how do I get around that if they can't afford? Well, if they're coming in and they want something and they can't afford that price, then they can't have that. You can give them other options that are a different price. You're not giving away you know, okay, I want a couple, I want highlights, but I can't afford your pricing. Well, why don't we do some accent foils and a blowout, you know? And the reality is, too, that people don't buy based on what they need or logic. They buy based on what they want to feel. So if somebody, when when someone's ready to make that big color change or that big drastic change, they don't come in thinking that most of the time they're not really concerned about the pricing because they're just like, I really want, this is what I want. So when you can really connect with your client about what, how they want to feel when they leave the salon, and then you say, I can, I can help you feel that way by, if we do this, this, and this, your chances of being paid what you're worth are higher than debating right away how much they want to spend um, and kind of assuming what they're going to spend. As freelance artists, we also have a rate. And you know sometimes I, I'll do really creative shoots with really creative people just to have fun. Um, but Which some, you just did, actually. Yeah, I did, and it was great. You can see it at, at uh, on Sid's Instagram at mm-hmm. Sid Charisse. And but then sometimes you know we'll get offers for gigs, and we have our our rate, which is our price that we charge, and I I won't do it for less. Yeah. You know? And if everyone would stop doing this, our industry stressed. would skyrocket. Yeah. Prices would go up. Prices would be stable. But we've made it normal to discount. And I'm I'm sorry, but I'm not gonna. If there's anyone that works at like a Supercuts or a Sports Clips, that's not, if that's what you are comfortable doing and that's the lifestyle that you want to live, that's great. But you cannot live your life on discounts. And I feel like those types of places run on discounts. So it's not the, it's not the, the brand or the space that's wrong. It's the discount that's wrong. If we all stop doing this, our industry will be respected way more. There was this time where hairstyles were actually like, celebrity status yeah and they were you know you would see them in the paper you would see them in the articles and you would you know we were artists like you know and somehow that changed completely so now we went from being an artist and holding this upper hand to now we are just 
a well, service I worker. I mean, and day rates for celebrity stylists and freelancers were like seven thousand mm-hmm. dollars for the day, and now they're barely a hundred. <laughs> I love when people try to get me to do free work for so they'll share their work up or my work on their Instagram. Mm-hmm. It's like no, no. And I the like sad, money. The sad part is that we've been told, okay, well, I'll find someone to do it for free. So and someone out there will do it. Yeah. And someone out there will accept the the smaller charge because they want the money. And that's what's hurting this industry is is everybody not standing up for us as a whole and saying, No, we will not do this anymore. So we'd love to hear what you have to say. You can email us your questions, comments, concerns, hate mail. Email address info at destroythehairdresser.com. You can visit us at our website, destroythehairdresser.com. You can follow us on Instagram at Destroy the Hairdresser. And we want to hear from you. We want to hear what you thought about the first episode of our podcast. We'd love to hear what you uh, what you want us to talk about. We are going to be bringing guests on. We have a really nice lineup of people that we want to introduce you to. If you're somebody that wants to be on the show because you think you've got something to say, let us know. Um, if you are interested in coaching, if you want someone to help push you, we do have a, to- a total coaching program. It's all on the website. Go check it out. Ask us questions. We want to hear from you. Um, you can see our Facebook Live videos on Facebook. Destroy the hairdresser on Facebook. Um, we, we're we're here for you. We're everywhere. We've, we've spread out. Hopefully, you've gotten something out of this this podcast. Whether it's ways to prioritize your day or your or your life in general, or if it's also understanding how you can break through some fears and how it can be motivational to you, or even if it's just hearing our funny stories and being able to relate. <laughs> And we'd love to hear your funny yeah, stories. Yeah, like I would love to read those live. So yes, cool. send us your funny stories, and we are going to release this every week on Thursdays. So we'll hear from you then. Okay, hair babies, have a lovely week. Bye, guys. Check us out at www.destroythehairdresser.com.